to each one and greetings in Jesus' name. Showers of blessing. That's it's really coming down out there, and it's good to see that. It's been dry for a while, unusually dry for spring, so it is good to. Can we just take a moment of silence? I think if we're quiet enough, we can hear that. It's beautiful. Well, this morning, I had this message kind of running around in my head for a while. And last Sunday, the devotion, Sunday School Devotions and then the message kind of confirmed that I should share what I've been feeling. Um, if you don't remember, the Sunday School lesson was on the delusion of lip service. And how we can so easily through life make it look good and really we're living another way and brother Steve shared out of Isaiah 29 I believe it was and God was telling Isaiah that the Israelites were gonna hear they would hear his message maybe not even hear his message. They weren't going to hear Isaiah. And it, um, the message he had was as a book that was sealed. And then Brother Dave Miller's message was, why am I an Anabaptist? And so my message this morning, the title is Spiritual Drowsiness. And I thought it's kind of, it's almost fitting. Hopefully you all don't sleep with the rain drumming on the roof. So I kind of looked at the weather and it's like, what are the chances we're gonna have that this morning with this message? So that's that. Uh, but as Brother Dave was sharing um, some of the history of the Anabaptists, um, I believe over there in Europe, you were on one side or the other during that physical persecution. Uh, I believe that your senses would have been alert during that time. There was, I don't think there was any, would you call it spiritual drowsiness? You were either here or you were there when that time of physical persecution came around. And it just, the Anabaptists have been in America now for 300 plus years and for the most part here lately it's been peace and prosperity and I had to think what is what is that doing for us today um, we live in ease we have it good we're busy sometimes almost too busy and we just get caught up in life and where is that taking us too often we just, I feel it's like lulling us to sleep. And we need to be shook sometimes from that sleep. Our senses being slowly dulled by living the life we do here in America. I, I believe if physical persecution would come that we would be, we'd have to decide real quick where we're at. So spiritual drowsiness. Uh, 
Now, physical sleep is very important. Um, if you don't get your sleep, things start going haywire pretty quick. Uh, I did a little bit of research on how long you can go without sleep, and I don't know what the point was of that, but I was just kind of curious. But back in the 1960s, there was a young man who, for a science fair project, he decided to see how long he could stay awake. Now, this is not smart. Um, but he stayed awake for 11 days. <laughs> I don't know. It's quite the science fair project, but whatever. But after 24 hours of staying awake, your body starts to shut down. You need your sleep. And I'm not talking about physical sleep so much this morning. There are times where sleep can also be dangerous, though. Um, I struggled with this uh, in my years of being with the youth. So in our setting, the youth from this area all went down to Lancaster County to be with the other youth, and that's where I met my wife, Melanie. And a lot of times, it was pretty late Sunday evenings till I uh, got home. And Usually I was fine coming through Harrisburg, but then you hit 11.15, the lights go out, literally. There's nobody on the road. And I had uh, a time where I dozed off, and I jerked awake and saw the concrete barrier coming toward me. And overcorrected, I was fine, but the car was not drivable. So there are times where sleep is also dangerous. And... That's where spiritual drowsiness this morning, I'd like to bring that in. That is very dangerous, uh, more dangerous than physical drowsiness. So the Bible has several examples of people who slept, and I'd like to point out a few of those. Uh, the first one is Jonah. Um, he, was a, he was asked by God to go preach at Nineveh, and he promptly headed the other way, got on a ship and headed that was headed to Tarshish. And through that experience, um, God calls the sea to get rough. And for some reason, Jonah was down in the bottom of the ship sleeping. He had no idea what was going on. Um, if the captain wouldn't have found him, I'm not sure what, what would have happened to that ship. He was sleeping on a, on a sinking ship. Uh, there's an example of, I believe he was spiritually drowsy as well. Um, and he, he could have easily been sleeping while that ship sunk if the captain didn't find him. And, and then God, through his mercy, caused a great fish to swallow him. And after that, Jonah said, I will go. I still don't know if Jonah got it all because he ended up underneath that gourd watching to see what would happen to Nineveh. But uh, that is one example of a person in the Bible that fell asleep. Another one is Samson in Judges. Um, he was consecrated from birth to deliver the Israelites from the Philistines. And I think God had big plans for him, but he became spiritually drowsy and ended up liking this woman from enemy and she nagged him until she found out his secret of his strength and while he slept she cut his hair off 
again, he was also spiritually drowsy and in a physical sense, he fell asleep and he ended up being having his eyes bored out and working for the enemies on the grinding there at the prison. Solomon in Proverbs says, let's just turn to that. Proverbs 24, verses 33 and 34. We'll see what Solomon says about sleep. Now, I don't know if he was talking about physical sleep or spiritual sleep necessarily. I, I believe it can go either way. Proverbs 24, verses 33 to 34 says this, Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. So Solomon here points out that if we just stop in life and kind of get lazy and idle, um, there's disaster ahead. And in the physical, or in the spiritual sense, I believe there's no time in the for us to get lazy in the Christian life. Yet another example in the New Testament is the ten virgins in Matthew 25. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. You have the foolish that took their lamps, they took no oil. You have the wise that took enough oil for the, for the whole night. And while they were waiting, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slept. Okay, so they all got tired. We all get tired at times. But half of them were just making it look good. And I believe this you could, uh, I think in the Bible, the parable it says the kingdom of heaven is likened unto. So I believe this could be the church. Um, you have some that are spiritually drowsy. And just trying to make it look good. Now, I don't. I'm not saying that of Word of Hope at all. In fact, this message is coming out because of things I've seen in my life. And so you're listening to what I need to hear. In one commentary I read, many good Christians, when they have been long in profession, grow remiss. Their graces are not lively, nor their works found perfect before God. And though all love is be not lost, yet the first love is left. And you kind of find that in uh, Revelations 2, the church of Ephesus. Um, Christ commended them, but he said he had someone against them because they have left their first love. So, the story that really inspired this message is found in Acts 20, if you want to turn there. And that's what got me started down this road. This, this story always fascinated me. Acts 20. And we're going to start in the seventh verse. And probably read to verse 12. And 
And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him said, Trouble not yourselves for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till the break of dawn, so he departed. And they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. So here we have a young man who was in, the, in church service and fell asleep. Now that is not unusual. Um, you can kind of take some of the physical things that were going on here. Um, he says he continued preaching until midnight. And in verse 9 it says, Paul was long preaching, or some, some virgins um, would say Paul talked on and on. And I remember myself as a little um, boy, sometimes that's how church felt. It just went on and on. So, and at this time of the night, I'm sure it was easy for Eutychus to drop off to sleep. But I'd like to kind of bring out a, a spiritual parallel there. So I think most of us have been brought to church since we can remember. And it's so easy for us just to make it routine, I guess you could say, and just come to church and that's just what we do. And I don't know if that's how it was for Eutychus or not. But I, I think it's so easy for us to, it's a part of life. And it's easy for us to slip into drowsiness um, spiritually, at least for myself. So that brought the question to me, so why do I struggle with spiritual drowsiness? I, I'm blessed with a heritage that, I mean, I've been brought to church since I was young. I've had the Bible in my home since I was little. So why, why do I struggle with being spiritually drowsy? Eutychus uh, was a common name for um, a, a certain part of Jews that were uh, in slavery to the Romans, and it was a common name for them to use as as a man that was free. So he was in slavery, and then they were freed. And kind of the parallel there was Christ did so much for us. I'm a free man because of what Christ did for me. And so Christ did so much for me, why do I struggle with drifting off to sleep? So I'd like to look at that a little bit. What brings spiritual sleep?
So I'd like to just bring a little story out. Um, I remember my grandpa uh, in the Weaverland conference setting, you have men and ladies facing each other and then you have benches up through that are kind of facing the minister. And so it's kind of a distracting setting. Um, and I remember my grandpa, I used to stay at their place um, during the weekend when I went in. And he'd sit there during church services and pretty much the whole time his head was, his head was down, his legs were crossed and it looked like he was sleeping. And I just remember uh, thinking, you know, how much did he get out of it? And one time we came home from church and we're eating dinner and Grandma said something about the sermon that day at church and Grandpa, he was right on it. He knew exactly what she was talking about and Grandma said, I thought you were sleeping. It looked like you were sleeping, Ezra. And, uh, but he, he knew what was going on the whole time. He, he said it's his way of tuning out distractions. So I guess if it works for you to uh, keep your head bowed during services, uh, I have nothing against that as, as long as you're not sleeping. So I just thought I'd bring that out. So what brings spiritual sleep? Turn with me to 1 Timothy 4. Paul was writing to Timothy here. And he was talking about uh, the last days. First Timothy 4, the first three verses. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created, to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. So what I'd like to point out there is the first verse mostly. Um, it says, in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. And I'm sure most of us know people that have seemed to kind of drop off the edge. Um, I mean, they grew up in Anabaptist, conservative Anabaptist setting, and for some reason or the other, they don't seem to be rooted and grounded in Christ and they just seem to drop off the edge and it makes you wonder where they were the whole time, um, where their heart was. But Paul points out that that is going to happen. And I don't believe it happens overnight. I believe there's spiritual drowsiness going on in the heart for quite some time before that happens. And I have a friend of mine whose parents were conservative Anabaptists and I guess they kind of joined a group that says if your heart's right, everything's good no matter you know how you dress and so on. 
And I watched my friend struggle through that as his parents took that step, and he, he remained conservative Anabaptist. And to me, I, I don't know how to take all that. I, I don't like, I don't want to judge everyone that takes a step away from conservative Anabaptism. But as you observe their life over the years, course of years, um, I believe what comes out is, is, is what, what they believe will come out. And you, as you just kind of watch them from a distance and you can see where their heart is. And so it's important for us to establish early in life um, our values and things that'll keep us from falling asleep. Turn to Second Peter three. Second Peter three, verses three and four. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? Since the fathers for since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So here we have Peter says in the last times. Now the last times, I remember growing up at, at a fairly young age, I could understand what the minister was saying, and he would say, we are living in the last times. You know, look what's going on around us. And I mean, now that's been 20, 25 years ago, and you still hear that, we're living in the last times. And what come, kept coming, to me through studying this is the last times are from the resurrection of Jesus until Christ returns. Those are the last days. So just keep that in mind. And here Peter points out people, I believe, who were believers at one point in time um, saying, when is Christ returning? I mean, he says, for since the beginning of creation, I mean, things just keep going. Um, so they kind of lose that vision of Christ returning. And I think that's important for us to keep that. The vision of Christ coming back will keep us from dozing off to sleep. It'll, it'll keep, help us to keep our lives in order because Jesus can come back at any time. And that could be through physical death or his return. So a few things I have down here that bring us spiritual drowsiness. And some of this went very well with the Sunday school lesson. Uh, first one I have is not committed in prayer. It is so easy for me, for myself to, when I pray, it's kind of just a surface thing. Now, prayer is our connection to God. So I believe prayer life is very important to 
come in commu- close communion with God, it, it's, it's got to be more than surface. It's got to be more than just uh, an action that we go through. Talk to God like he's right beside you. Um, we need to be committed in prayer. Uh, earthly things tend to crowd our thoughts out. Pray, pr- pray aloud. That, that, that helps, for sure. But be committed in prayer, because that is your connection to God. The next one is that mind causes to fall asleep is not reading the word. Uh, a time of devotions. That is our inspiration from God. It is our ex- exhortation from God. It's, it's our roadmap for living life. And if we're not going to take time to read that, we're going to get sleepy pretty fast. Another one is sin in our lives that we're not willing to deal with. It's just something that we kind of keep there to play with whenever we want. That has got to go if, if we're going to stay awake. And the last one I have is unbelief. Now, this might kind of go outside of the Christian, living the Christian life of just total unbelief. But I believe Satan is very real and working in the Christian to the point of maybe even getting us to doubt um, what we believe. So going into spiritual awakening or awareness, how, how do we stay awake? How do we continue to be on guard? Turn with me to Romans 13. Verses 11 to 14. And knowing, and that knowing the time that it is now, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting or drunkenness, not in chambering and wanting not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So here in Romans, it says our salvation is nearer than we first believed. Christ is we're one day closer to Christ returning. There is no time to be in, in the dark. Put on the armor of light. I'd like for us to turn yet to 1 Thessalonians 5. And I have quite a bit pointed out in here that will help us to stay alert and awake. First Thessalonians five. I'm going to go down here and kind of break it up into sections. And so at this time I'm going to read one to five. 
But of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all children of the light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. So, I believe in here, those first five verses are kind of pointing us to uh, Christ's return. Or I believe it could also point to life, our life here on earth is, is as a vapor. God doesn't promise us tomorrow. Um, there is no time to be in the dark. Come to the light. He says those that are in darkness... Jesus is going to come back to those people as a thief. Okay? Unexpected. But for the believer who is in the light, Jesus will come back as a friend. And I had to think of that. That's, that's, that's so true. So, a thief comes whenever he wants, and you're not expecting that. You're, you're laying in bed, and he can come whenever he wants. And you're going to be terrified when that happens. But... If you're a believer, Jesus' return will be like someone you invited for company. And you're expecting them at any time to pull in the driveway, your table's set, the food's ready. You're ready for Jesus to come back. Okay, verses 6 to 10. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that are drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for and helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Okay, the keys to stay awake spiritually. Verse 6, let us watch and be sober. There is no time for sleeping. There is also some armor that we should be wearing. The breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of salvation. We need that to fight our battles here and to keep us from getting injured and falling asleep. Verse 10, I like that we it's very similar to one verse in our Sunday school lesson. Notice that sleep in verse 10 is not the same sleep. I didn't look it up in Greek or anything, but it's not the same sleep as verse 7. I believe that means who died for us, referring to Jesus, that whether we wake or sleep, whether, we, whether we're alive or we're asleep in Jesus, we should live together with him. That, that's a comfort for the believer. Um, if we're alive, we're living for him, he is helping us through life. And if we die, we go to live with him. It's very comforting for those of us as believers. Verses 11 to 15. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. 
And we beseech you, brethren, to know them that labor among you, and over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now I exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. Seeing that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. And for that section there, I, I have down serving others. And I believe that's a good way to stay awake spiritually. If we reach out to those around us, as it has in these verses, there's various situations. Um, there's so much to do. If we're not focused on ourselves, but focused on serving others, I believe that's a good way to stay awake spiritually, to be busy in, in God's work. And lastly, verses 16 to 22, some short phrases in here. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. Some very practical things for staying awake spiritually. I have down here, these are the attitudes and, and, and things people do that are awake. So we're rejoicing because of what God has done for us. And here again, prayer comes out, prayer without, pray without ceasing as our vital connection to God. Thanksgiving is also an attitude of those who are awake. Thankful for God's presence through what our circumstances we go through, no matter what it is, God is with us. Quench not the spirit. God has placed within each of us a gift, and it is important for us to allow God to work through us and not to throw water on that fire. Despise, don't despise the preaching of the word. Despise not prophesying. Prophesying there is basically preaching. Prove all things. Don't just take my word for it. Dig into the, the word yourself and prove if it's true. Dig into God's word. And then what you find true, hold on to that and reject what is false. In verse 22, steer clear of anything that looks like sin. Just stay away from it. Abstain from all appearance of evil. So I'd like to leave us with the challenge. Uh, what challenged me through studying this on how to stay awake spiritually? Let's take an honest look at our life. Am I still in love with the one who saved me from eternal darkness and brought me to his glorious light? Am I committed to being his always no matter the circumstances life brings? Am I drinking from the word or the world? Am I awake and ready for the return of Christ or am I drifting off to sleep? 
Shall we have another song? 